T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 560 The Joe. Hello once again everybody and welcome to Hurricanes Weekly, Sunday, February the 16th, 2020. Hope you're enjoying your Valentine's Day weekend, your President's Day weekend as a matter of fact. Our show is driven by Williamson Cadillac, Miami's premier luxury dealership for value, for style, for performance. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com. Opening weekend of Hurricanes baseball. Later this afternoon, the Canes will take on Rutgers, the final game of a three-game Opening weekend series, Miami and Rutgers in baseball. Yesterday, Miami took on Wake Forest in basketball. Hurricanes went into the game with a record of 12-12, and 4-10 in conference play. Here are the highlights and the reaction. Wake Forest will, will wear road gray uniforms today. Gray uniforms in black. It says Wake Forest on the front. They have gold numbers. And uh, the trim at the bottom of, of their pants is gold and black. Miami in their home white uniforms as they stride out onto the floor. Miami in green across the chest with green numbers. And that will conclude our countdown to tip off. It's been brought to you by Kendall Toyota and West Kendall Toyota. Largest pre-owned auto, 10th sale in our history is this weekend only. Four days, four stores, four football fields of inventory. All at one location, West Kendall Toyota. Call 305 Kendall for more info. Miami and Wake Forest looking for an entertaining game from the Watsco Center. Brian O'Connell puts the ball in the air, and Rodney Miller wins the opening tip. He taps it back to Chris Likes. And Miami will move right to left at home as we face the floor right next to the Miami bench. Coach Ellen, a plaid blue jacket today over blue pants and a blue shirt and no tie. Likes has it, guarded by Johnson. Nearly four minutes have gone by here in the first half. Short handoff to Vasilovic. He goes left to right, shouted by Johnson, now picked up. On the wing, DJ is stuck, steps back, lets it fly, and around and out, Miller, the offensive rebound. Rodney right back up and in using the window. Nice rebound by Rodney Miller using that long wingspan. Miami by two. Beverly into the corner. Right corner, McGusty. Pulls up from 17 feet away. It's good. Good job by Cam McGusty breaking down the defense. McGusty scores for Miami, averaging 13 points a game. Likes has it on the left wing for Miami. Drifts to his right side. Baseball pass to Vasilovic. On to McGusty. McGusty on the left wing. Vasilovic once more. Shot fake. McGusty again. He'll take the three. Good! 
Bam, McGusty gets open. Miami shares the ball. McGusty hits a three from the left wing for Miami. McGusty at 12 against Boston College. Cam had a string of eight straight double-figure games before getting injured. He has five today, and Miami leads by five, 19 to 14. Likes gets into the paint, kicks it out. Wardenberg open, right back to Likes. Wardenberg passed up the three. Likes will take the three in the air. Good. A swish by Chris Likes. He has five. Connecting on his 38th three-pointer of the year. 23-16 Miami. Lobs it inside. It's intercepted by Wong. Taps it over to Vasilovich. Sells it in front for Likes to advance. And there he goes. Turbocharge drives in. Off to Miller for a slam dunk. Rodney Miller slams it home. On an excellent feed from Chris Likes. The Hurricanes telepathic passer somehow found Rodney Miller for a slam dunk. And Miami has their largest lead of the afternoon. Timeout. Danny Manning. 5.15 to play in the first half. 30-second timeout. Miami leading Wake Forest 25 to 16, and that was pretty. Now Likes dribbles into a three. Yes! Chris Likes hits a three. His second three ball of the day. Eight points for Likes on a 31-18 lead for Miami. Johnson moves it in the corner to Childress. Inside to Aguami, misses a hook shot. And the rebound comes down into the arms, the big arms, early arms of Rodney Miller. Miller with his seventh rebound of the day. Miller as it goes back door to Wong, cutting to the basket and scores. Likes to Miller, onto Isaiah Wong. Excellent way to start the second half for Miami. One outstanding bingo right there. Harris shooting in for the rebound and clutching the ball to his chest is Vasilovich. Sells it along the right sideline for Likes to advance. Picked up by Neath. Canes could use a bucket here. Likes has it, steps back, leans in, throws it out to Wardenberg. Inside for Miller. Miller right to the key, in the paint. Rodney with a hook shot, that's off target. Rebounded by Wardenberg, back up and in. Wardenberg with a big offensive put back for Miami. The lead goes to 15, 41, to 26. Childress cradles the ball on his right hip. Finds Masuda, goes right through his fingertips, and it's a turnover by Wake Forest. And the Demon Deacons are doing everything they can to help Miami out. That's their 12th turnover of the game. It's almost like a lull has kind of fallen over this game for both teams here over the past few minutes. Man, it's like they went into the locker room and they were kidnapped by their evil twins. <laughs> Beverly will run the point. He finds Wong. Wong drives in around Neath. Wong hard to the rim, scores. He's fouled. He gets an extra shot. One more coming for Isaiah Wong. He just made up his mind on the wing. He was going to go to the basket. Beverly's to the top of the circle. He wants to get into the paint. Throws it down low for Stone. Shot fake. He puts it up and misses. Offensive rebound to Rodney Miller. He throws it back out to Beverly. On to McGusty for a trifecta. That's good. Throws up a reverse left that goes off the top of the basket. Ricochets out to McGusty who wants to run. Trying to go rim to rim. A Euro step around Brown and scores. Drove in right and scored with the left hand. Demon Deacons want to run. Down the floor. Here comes Chandy Brown. His shot is blocked. What a block by Keith Stone. He rejected it. Great hustle by Stone. Likes a quick pass The Stone, who drives in, flips it up, scores, and he will go to the free throw line. Keith Stone attacking from the left side. Gets the basket. Plus one. High left for Wong with 13. 
The freshman has done it again today. Seven straight games in double figures. Wong, a baseball pass to Wardenberg behind the defense, lays it up and in. And now Miami playing with great joy, and they lead by 20. 27 seconds to play. Beverly has it for Miami. A score down the floor by Sharon right? Two seconds. Different between the shot clock and the game clock. Miami's going to win this one. They lead it 69 to 54. Beverly drives in. He will not be shut out. He scores. <laughs> he was determined to score. 71 to 54. As we come to the finish line. Wake Forest with it. Firing for three from the top of the circle. No good. Jacoby Neath. And the horn sounds. And the victory is to the Hurricanes this afternoon. 71 to 54. Two straight for Miami at the Wasco Center. Two in a row inside the ACC. Hurricanes go over 500 for the year, and they win their fifth conference game. Miami wins this one going away. 71-54, final score. Welcome back inside the Wasco Center. Miami defeats Wake Forest. Miami over 500 at 13-12. 5-10 in conference play. And 2-0 uh, and oh with his new team. Chris Caputo is... Joining us, uh, Hurricanes associate head coach. A lot of contributions today, but maybe the unsung hero was Chris uh, Keith Stone. Yeah, I was going to talk about Keith, you know, from the beginning. I mean, he was, um, you know, you don't, again, if you're not watching, like the guy had two points. I, I, he was our MVP. What he did defensively, you know, another game here, we're under 40% defensively. Um, uh, you know, they shot the three, you know, to their credit pretty well. The one kid made three of them, but... Uh, I thought Keith really cleaned up and fixed a lot of things for us. And, uh, you know, that's the term, fix it. Like, your defense, we're giving great effort. It's not always going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. And when you have a guy on the floor and go fix those mistakes like Keith did probably ten times tonight, uh, maybe it's he comes over and blocks a shot. Maybe he, he, he uh, goes and gets a defensive rebound that somebody would have just put back on offense. A, he scrammed out. We call it scram. Like Chris is in the post against Saar. He runs over literally like while Saar has the ball, kicks Chris out to the perimeter and goes and guards Saar one-on-one, and then Saar misses. There's stuff like that. They don't show up in the box score. That's the reason why, again, and I, I, you know, I sound like a broken record, and that's fine, like, that's why when we get Keith Stone on December 1st, we can go into Illinois and win. We can go into Clemson and win. We can beat Temple on neutral site because he gave us something that we didn't have, which is an experienced front court guy. Uh, you know, so we're really happy for him because uh, they really helped us. And we got a great team effort again. We're, you know, we've built some depth now in the roster, and we've had a good night uh, from a number of different guys. The, the block by Stone might have saved or preserved the game. I mean, it was yeah. like really a big, huge, block. huge play. So uh, in honor of being the cleaner and the fixer, we might call him Harvey Keitel. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's my, uh, yeah, that's the, uh, uh, the wolf. It's my favorite character in, in all of film ever. <laughs> I brought it up because I know you're a movie Winston guy. Wolf. It's my, it's like my guy. I love Winston Wolf. Key to interview. Give, give a guy something in his wheelhouse. Yeah, exactly. You're a uh, Pulp Fiction reference there. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. You had four guys in double figures. and you, One with nine, one with eight, too. Right. Yeah. And, and so you, it's almost like you've, got, you've been reinvented. And so now the question is, and I think we saw today, it becomes 
how unselfish, I guess, can you be? Because guys that were scoring got injured. Then guys came off the bench, and they became the scorers. Now everybody's he- healthy. So now... Well, I don't think it was a sustainable model to have three guys play 40 minutes and shoot every ball. Right. Yeah, And it wasn't their fault either. It was just the way the ebbs and flow of the season and injuries and what we look like. So you wind up in this situation where, where we were. And so now... You know, we're, we're equally distributing minutes. Whoever plays well is maybe playing a couple more minutes here or there. Uh, and it's put us in a position to, you know, uh, play well, play with greater energy. I was happy for our group. Uh, we had 11 assists, but I would tell you if, you know, one of the things you have to really look at is attempted assists and foul assists. So if I throw it to a guy, he catches it and he gets fouled. To me, that's an assist. It's just a foul assist. He didn't get to put it in. But he got he got it up to the rim, got us to the free throw line, and often you, you know you make one or two free throws, so that's an assist. And then I think in the first half, in particular, there were a couple of really good looks that we missed uh, on kickouts that I thought oh, those are great offensive choices and plays for us. So I think we're playing very unselfishly. I imagine uh, it's different for every player to earn trust of a coaching staff, but Isaiah Wong must be on his way at seven straight games in double figures. He, yeah, he's really doing what he can do, which is just be. A guy that scores the ball, you know, uh, a guy that uh, he's making great choices. He's playing really hard uh, defensively, and it's given him the opportunity to, you know, really, really uh, get himself going offensively. You know, I thought maybe the one that was most impressive for him was the drive right over here that he took it to uh, to Sar, who's a yep. seven-footer. Yeah, great layup. He got was him not, his fifth foul. Yeah, yep. He wasn't intimidated at all and took it right to him. Yep, got him his fifth foul. That was key, obviously, for us. Two uh, other aspects of this game that uh, jump out. One, the way you protected the ball, only one turnover in the first half. And yeah. two, a team that gets to the free throw line 24, 26 times a game. Only shot 13. Yeah, you yeah, kept them was off a big, the line. Big key for us. And, and, you know, we're a team that doesn't foul either. So uh, I think, uh, I don't know how many fouls they drew for the game 14, but, you know, three of them were in the first minute of the first second half, you know, quick, quick one. So we were very, very... Uh, discipline as that related to that and, and it was obviously a key for us to keep them off the line uh, coach L said the thought of the day yesterday was once is not enough so you got to feel good about back-to-back uh, 40 minute performances yeah well I think we're all about small victories you know day to day but the reality is that's not the standard here you know since we've been here you know since we've been here you know I'm not trying to be a little but we beat Boston College 12 straight times or something so, like, to beat them once in a row, we shouldn't be patting ourselves on the back, you know, at home. You know, okay, we played well. Yeah, we've made some steps. Really what it is is we've gotten healthy, and now we're giving ourselves a chance to practice and compete with each other and then play well when we get on the court. So, uh, again, not to, you know, there's people who have our number two or what have you, but our, our, the guys in the locker room have to understand they're not being judged on, you know, winning one game. Well, now it's on the road for two more. Virginia Tech, and they're struggling. They're going into today, they've lost five in a row at Notre Dame, and they're playing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I, again, you have to be able to now take this group that we have have and take them on the road. And we've won in some great environments, and we're going to have to do it again. And, uh, you know, from our perspective, uh, you know, this will be a great challenge. Virginia Tech is a very difficult place to play. Uh, you know, we did get them here, but... You know, the, the way they shoot the three, I mean, they're going to be in every game at their place. And so we're going to have to play very, very well and defend very well and very well and be really locked in. Uh, the last thing for you, you did start Stone and Miller today. I think it's probably the first time they started together. Uh, yeah, Sam had been out and, you know, dealing with his issues. Uh, you know, I think he obviously played well, but, you know, 
again, the starting lineup, it's not really who starts. It's who finishes. And, and, uh, and some of it for us has just been injury-based and practice-based. And some of it is, hey, a guy's playing well. We're going to stay with it. And, um, but, you know, Coach was very clear. They, we're going to play the guys that defend and rebound and play hard. Like, now we're in that mm-hmm. place where we can say that to guys. When you've got six guys or whatever, you really can't have that conversation. You just, you know, more playing psychologist, you know, trying to get it. Now it's, hey, guys, we're back to – competing for playing time which is a good thing and and the good news is guy if you're play if, if you have a large group of guys playing well then everybody's going to play a certain amount of minutes all right chris thank you very much thanks that's the way it sounded yesterday from the watsco center hurricanes basketball team will be back in action on wednesday night february the 19th at uh virginia tech blacksburg virginia for a nine o'clock tip-off against the Hokies of virginia tech and then a week from today miami will be in south bend indiana for the fighting irish of notre dame when we come back we'll turn our attention to university of miami football head coach manny diaz joins us next on hurricanes weekly right here on wqam 560 the joe like miami's premier luxury dealership for value for style for performance click williamson cadillac Com. University of Miami baseball team wraps up their opening three-game series later this afternoon against Rutgers at 1 p.m. You can hear that game on our sister station, 790 The Ticket. University of Miami spring football will begin on Saturday, February the 29th. Joining us now on the show to talk about Hurricanes recruiting and the offseason in football is Hurricanes head coach Manny Diaz. Welcome back to the show as we continue on now talking recruiting and University of Miami offseason in the football and uh, we welcome back to the Hurricane Hotline and make it the uh, Manny Diaz show. Coach Diaz, what an offseason you've had here. Been quite, of a, quite an interesting month and a half here between January and February, Coach. We, uh, we're really excited about the people we've had a chance to add to our organization, um, both on a staff level and, and on, a, on a player level. You know, ultimately, that's who you win with. You win with your culture and you win with the people that are in your culture. And um, the great thing about college football is if you don't like what you see, you have a chance to improve it, you know, and, and – uh, Obviously, nobody liked what we saw in, in uh, the end of November and, and in December. Um, but you do have an opportunity to fix your issues. And um, now I will say it's one thing to be able to see your issues. It's another thing to know what the fix is. It's, a, it's an another thing entirely to be able to secure the fix. So I'm so thankful to so many people. Number one, uh, the great new staff members we have. Um, and great new players we have for seeing what we've got built here at Miami and, and wanting to join us. The help um, from the people that are on our current team or on our current staff, whether that's you know our administration like Blake James and Dunn Strawley, whether that's um, some of our coaches in recruiting like you know Efren Bond and his his efforts to secure Avante Williams. Um, it might be our current players, you know, in terms of hosting these guys when they come in as recruits. I mean, there's so many people who, you know. To get to attract really good people, good people want to work with good people. You know, you want to try and get like-minded people together. So, if we had an issue, if we had people who weren't about the right things in our facility, uh, you wouldn't get people who are all about winning to want to come to Miami. And and so, I think the the quality of people that we have attracted says a lot about the quality of people that we have in this organization. And I think we've made a major jump um, in 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 what we've got now. Now the work begins. You know, and and. Tuesday, yesterday, we did our first offseason program. They've been in there since we came back from school with, with David Feely, grinded out in the weight room. Um, we've got the people in place. Now it's about, you know, the culture taking over, and, and then when we get on the grass uh, for spring ball, uh, getting our guys to, to play to the Miami standard. Uh, 
let's jump into the recruiting uh, for a moment uh, because we don't want to forget about the guys you signed in December and of course here uh, today a big uh, big signing day uh, added six more players Avante Williams some call him the number one safety uh, so uh, once again you're able to strike at a position of need and and get a dynamic player yeah we added two really good, uh, special guys to our secondary and Isaiah Dunson and Avante Williams like you mentioned Avante, we've known for four years. You know, it's been a four-year relationship. Myself, Coach Bonda, uh, Coach Packy, um, and just that young man always felt at home here at Miami, always felt at home here at the U. Uh, I think he's got true cane in him. Um, he's an elite talent on the field that could help us out in a lot of different er- you know ways in our defense. Um, and then, you know, and then adding Dunson corners, got great length, great ball skills, you know, is what we need at that corner spot. So great to have those guys. Keyshawn Smith from high school, wide receiver from San Diego, just kind of fell in our lap um, in a very quick turn of events. You know, he was signed with Mike Leach at Washington State. And when they, when Coach Leach left, you know, the, the young man withdrew from his NLI, which you have the right to do. Um, turns out he kind of always loved the Hurricanes. His mom would always love the Hurricanes and I flew out to San Diego, and suddenly Keyshawn Smith is a hurricane, and it was great to see him in our in our offseason program yesterday. And then we signed three transfers. You know, um, again, you know, improve your football team. And everybody knows Derek King is an, an elite talent. You know, 50 touchdowns accounted for two years ago at Houston. Um, but what he what he is as a, as a leader and as a person and the impact he can have on our quarterback room, not just this year, but for years to come, is is why we're so excited about having Derek as a Miami Hurricane. Quincy Roche, you're talking about the American Conference Defensive Player of the Year joining your football team. You know how important defensive line playing, getting after the quarterback is to our defense, the, his, the way the Miami Hurricanes have always played defense. So to add another devastating pass rusher um, to the mix of guys we have, that that's what separates the haves and from have-nots in college football, in my opinion. And then Jose Borgales, I mean, we, you know, you, you, it wasn't hard to see our issues in terms of place kicking a year ago and, and, and what our win-loss record could have been had that have been different. Um, so, again, when, when, uh, when Jose entered the portal and it was, it was a, you know, we know a lot about his family, you know, through recruiting and, and uh, seemed like a perfect fit. You, know, you take a look at this. Uh, the record's out there. He went six and seven. Here comes recruiting. You get the number one running back in Dade County. You get the number one running back in Broward County. You get the number three rated defensive end in the nation. You get the number one safety. You finish with a top 15 class in addition to the guys that you just mentioned through the transfer portal. Uh, that says something about the power and the belief, I think, of your program and of guys in you. Well, I have to go back a year ago to when, when I became the head coach. I felt like we had to modernize our recruiting efforts. I thought we had good guys in our recruiting office in the past, but I just thought it was a little bit outdated. Um, and I have to give credit to, again, to Blake and Jen for allowing me to sort of restructure our staff. We had to invent some positions and uh, bringing in Andy Vaughn. Um, but what David Cooney, Demarcus Van Dyke, and Edwin Pata have done, um, our recruiting has, has, has made a major, major jump forward. And that, of course, is a life, lifeline of any college football program. So to get the 18 that we got in December, as you mentioned, can't forget about those and the fact that 13 of them are on our campus right now to add to these, you know, four that, that you know, we took in, in January. That's 17 new players that right now are, 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 are understanding what it means to go through a David Feely workout and can get into football meetings, you know, that we started this week. And so um, recruiting is everything. And, 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 and again, I'm very pleased at, at, at the way we've been able to recruit and not just really good players, but guys that fit our culture. I've also always maintained one of the keys – 
well, any, whether it's college football or the NFL, especially in this era of free agency that you have in the NFL and salary cap. And to a certain extent, it's the same thing now in college football, uh, scholarship limitations and transfer portal. It's roster management. Can you keep a, a roster together at a high level or build that roster to a high level and then keep it together? Yeah, and um, and look, we want to build our football program. We want to be a developmental football program. We want to build our program um, out of guys we get out of great high school programs. We can get in here and, and, and stack reps on the field, stack reps in the weight room, get these guys stronger, transform them who they are as, as men. Um, however, there is a new thing now where you can add these, these transfers. And if you have a chance to add a guy that can impact your football team the next year, if it's the right guy, and it's got to be the right guy. And, and um, last year it was different. Last year we were in a great sense of need. We had a major issue in, in our recruiting class this year. It was very pinpoint. We knew we had to get a quarterback. We knew we had to get a kicker. Um, and then and then a, a guy like Roche who um, provides such value to our defense. So it's not something – and, again, that will that be the new normal going forward? It's probably not far away from that, but that's that's the way to use the new rules to me to your advantage. And, and, and to the point, we always have a great thing to sell. You know, I think kids, especially later in college, they see Miami, they may be looking for different things. They recognize what a great program, what a great place this is to go to school. Um, but beyond that, I keep going back to the same thing. They wouldn't want to come here if something was broken here. They, they know um, that they could come in, and if they do their part, this thing could get going quickly. Uh, Bill Parcells used to say about the NFL draft and so forth, uh, we can only be as good as what the colleges send us. Conversely, I would think at the college level, you can only be with what the high schools are sending you. In this area, High schools are playing a lot of the, the spread offense and rushing the quarterback, which is what, where your program is defensively and where you're going to be offensively. How much do you think uh, or what kind of impact do you think that will have on recruiting? Well, I think it's going to have a great impact. You know, I, th I think, um, you know, just the fact of, of getting athletes a ball in space and, and, and attacking the field, you know, horizontally and vertically, um, you know, Look, you, you got to put a product out there that kids want to they, they want to they want to play in. And um, if you look at the impact that now, now I, you know, it's important to understand this. There's a lot of people that are running a quote unquote tempo spread offense that that are doing a terrible job doing it. It's not simply just about the scheme. Um, so that's not just necessarily the thing that fixes it. But I do think Rhett Lashley is 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 one of the best doing it anywhere in the country. Um, and all you got to do is spend five minutes with the guy and, and, and recognize he's, he's someone that you'd want to follow. He's someone that gets the players excited uh, to come to work every day. But he's also somebody who is important in connecting with our young men. Um, it's not just putting a bunch of plays on a board and saying, go do this, you know, and you've got to have that connection. Um, and one thing I've always loved about coaching the Miami Hurricanes is that if the players feel the connection towards you, they'll, they'll, they'll give you that little extra, you know, and, and that's what's fun about this job is that you get a chance to – to pour into these young men, and, and then when they know that you're for them, they'll give you everything they've got, and that's the biggest reward they can give you. To pick up on, on what you said about the spread, this is going to be a lot of new material for players, right? And so it's going to require uh, a lot of work on their part in a short amount of time to get the execution to an acceptable level. That's correct, but the advantage of it all is that it'll be um, probably a little more simple than what it's been in the past and, and a little less learning, which, which will be good. And, and again, let them go play fast. And I, the, what I can equate it to is what we did defensively in 2016. There was no, there's no wrong schemes. You know, everything is sound. Everything makes sense. But again, when you talk about the, the type of players that we're able to recruit from down here, you know, the worst thing we can do is get 
really athletic guys and get really fast guys. And, you know, again, I'll just use a defensive example because um, that's how I came up is get a bunch of fast guys to play defense and slow them down with a bunch of rules. I mean, that, that, that to me is the biggest crime a coach can commit. So we're, getting, we're trying to get our guys to play fast, play faster. And at times, you know, lessening the thinking is a, is a great way to do that. Also, uh, to pick up on Derek King for a moment, I think what he's proven at Houston is uh, because of his athleticism and his speed, you talk about putting in new concepts. Well, the great equalizer there is to have a quarterback that keeps the play alive where everybody's alive, whether he's alive or the receivers are alive, he keeps the play alive. That's exactly right. Well, you've seen, um, you know, one of the great things about Coach Lashley, he's done it with different styles of quarterback. Um, you've seen the success that, you know, when he and, and Gus Malzahn had at Auburn when they had Nick Marshall or, when, of course, when they had Cam Newton. Um, but then, you know, this past year at, at SMU, you know, the, and the, the, the incorporating the air raid concepts into this offense is really what, in my mind, is taken to the next level. And that is all very, very difficult to stop when you've got a quarterback that can run. And you're seeing that now in every level. You see what, how Lamar Jackson burnt down the NFL this year, you know, even Patrick Mahomes. And, and, and again, to Coach Lashley's point, run doesn't mean you have to be a 4-4 guy. Run means you have to be an athlete. Um, that puts such immense stress on the defense. And when you have a guy that can do both, it is a real problem. Does it help at all that everybody seems to be chasing the SEC? You, you, you were in the SEC. Coach Lashley spent a lot of time at Auburn in the SEC, coaching a couple of championship games. Uh, to understand that mentality of how they're playing, what their teams look like, is that important? I mean, there's certainly a high level of competition in that league. Um, there's no doubt. I mean, not you know, week in, week out, just the, the, the atmosphere that you play in. But I, I don't think that there's a great difference between that and our league. Obviously, the, the – you know, one of the teams that everybody in the country is chasing resides in our league. You know, and we know that. And we know that if, I, if we do our job with excellence, we'll be facing them um, in Charlotte, you know, which is our goal every year. So um, we also know that we're at a place at the University of Miami where if we get it rolling and we can recruit the way we need to recruit, that we can be one of those teams. It's happened in the past, so it can happen therefore again. Um, but to, to, to the, your point on Coach Lashley, I think he's he's – He's seen it all. He's, he's learned in great environments. He's been in the pressure games, been in national championship games, and that's the experience you want to bring into your program. Uh, we'll talk about some of the other offseason moves uh, that you made staff-wise in, in our next segment, but also uh, just to pick up on recruiting for a moment, when you get a kid like Avante Williams like today or, or Cheney or uh, Knighton from uh, Deerfield Beach, this next recruiting cycle is right upon you. How important is it to have uh, that credibility that you were able to land players like that to show this next wave coming in? It's massive. And we actually talked to the kids about it. You know, I mean, there's some, you know, look, the, these kids, they, they grow up in an era of, of, if you think of the NBA, it's kind of the, the, the dream team era, right? You know, they want to go where, where other great players are and, and fair play to them for that. Um, so it, 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 it makes waves when these type of players that you mentioned join the program and, there may be a ninth grader in Broward County that when Jalen Knighton picked the Hurricanes said, wow, you can stay home and, and pick the Miami Hurricanes. Or when Don Chaney not only picked the Hurricanes but didn't even wave or didn't even visit another school. Um, you know, you see Avante come and, and you're talking about getting the nation's top player at a position. Those things stand out to the next wave and, and, and it, that's how it changes. And that's why, again, one of the things we really made a major emphasis on 12 months ago was uh, modernizing our recruiting efforts and, and, um, and making that a 365-day passion for everybody in this program. All right, we'll continue. The University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz, uh, Hurricane Hotline, back with uh, Coach Diaz, more with Coach Diaz right after this. 
That is Hurricanes head coach Manny Diaz. We'll continue with the coach when we come back on Hurricanes Weekly right here on WQAM 560, The Joe. All right, let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite topics, Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac, Miami's premier luxury dealership for value, for style, for performance. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com. Right now, I'm driving the XT5. It is absolutely spectacular. It is stylish. It is roomy. It's safe. It has everything that you need in a luxury vehicle. And nobody knows the luxury car business better than Ed Williamson. He's been in business for over 50 years at Williamson Cadillac. And during those years, it's been their pleasure serving this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. May I make the suggestion? Visit their state-of-the-art facility. Williamson Cadillac is located at US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway. There, you can check out the Escalade, the XT4, the XT5, the CT6, the first-ever 2020 Cadillac XT6 with three rows of luxury in stock and ready for delivery right now. Or go online and you can view the entire inventory of Williamson Cadillac online at WilliamsonCadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Mark Lightfield, you can hear that game on the radio on our sister station, 790 The Ticket. Hurricanes Weekly, driven by Williamson Cadillac, Miami's premier luxury dealership for value, for style, for performance. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com. We continue now with our conversation with University of Miami head football coach, Manny Diaz. Happy to welcome you back to the show, Hurricane Hotline, with University of Miami head coach, Manny Diaz, and coach, uh, the offseason did not stop with just bringing in new players to the roster. We mentioned Coach Lashley. Uh, you got a new offensive line coach coming in. Uh, a couple of other additions on offense as well that you'll be uh, getting around to. But a new offensive line coach uh, who also was a coordinator. And uh, uh, so he brings a wealth of, of knowledge. Yeah, Garen Justice is a name that's very familiar to a lot of people down here um, in South Florida. Um, Garen was, was actually a head coach. He was a head coach at Division II school at Concord up in West Virginia and had a great record there. Uh, he played at West Virginia when Rich Rod was there, so he actually played offensive line in a tempo, one of the real pioneers of the, of the tempo spread offense. Um, GA'd at Florida State under um, Rick Trickett, you know, who had, has a great reputation as an offensive line coach. Um, and then was at FAU with Kendall Bryles, you know, and Lane Kiffin's first there when they kind of set Conference USA on fire and scored a bazillion points. Went to Arizona, you know, in kind of his big break as an offensive line coach, and um, and Rich Rodriguez lost his job, I think, two or three weeks later. So um, this is one of the things that can happen to you in this profession, to a good person. Went to UNLV, and as you mentioned, became the offensive coordinator at UNLV, which is there's not a lot of offensive line coaches that people think can handle a, a coordinator position, so it says a lot about him. But uh, Garen's got a great reputation as a coach in the profession, as, as a – as a technician and a great teacher. He's got a great reputation with a lot of people down here in terms of recruiting, which is so important because um, that's a difficult thing down here. I mean, there's not, a, there's, not a, there's not as many offensive linemen running around as there are skilled guys in other positions. So you've got to really understand how to mine the talent. You've got to find it wherever it is, and you've got to be able to develop it. And we think Garen checks all those boxes. I think it's pretty cool that your your offensive staff is going to have all this experience of head coaching and coordinator and at different positions. You mentioned offensive line, wide receiver, Coach Lashley, quarterback. I, I sometimes think that guys 
they see the defense or they see the game through the eyes of their positions. So that's kind of be, be an interesting perspective to have. It's a, it's a great perspective, but it would not be helpful if they weren't all still in alignment because coaching is not fantasy football. You just can't add, you know, five guys with, with a great wealth of experience and accolades and put them in a room and expect them all to, to act as one unit, which is really what you have to have. Um, so the fact that the people who you mentioned, you know, again, offensive line coaches, have you been in an up-tempo environment? If not, it is a different ball of wax for you because a lot of times what you're going to do is you're not going to have the defense ready to play. You know, so you've got to – it's different. You have to be comfortable with the chaos that your offense creates. Sometimes a lot of offensive line coaches, they like – you know, stationary pictures and to see exactly where the defense is lined up before they go. You know, even with the wide receiver coach, um, you know, there is a different class of receiver coach who's worked in that air raid system. You know, there's, there's a different thing. There's a different way of life of being a wide receiver coach in the air raid. And, and all of Mike Leach's protégés in terms of – in all of his, his branches off of his coaching tree um, – it's all through the test of time. I mean, those guys all throw for a bazillion yards and score a bunch of points, you know. So um, so to be able to get someone in that has that type of experience in that system um, is such a bonus to Coach Lashley, you know what I mean? Because, again, he knows that um, he's got a like-minded thinker who not only can have coordinating experience but also understands exactly how this offense is supposed to look. The other addition, and you uh, had this last year. You were going in this direction a year ago to have a chief of staff. And uh, because of circumstances, that position was not – was filled and then unfilled. But this year, you brought in Ed Reed uh, to be your chief of staff. Explain some of the things that you're going to get from Ed Reed. Well, uh, there's so many things we'll get from Ed Reed. You know, I mean, just already just having him yesterday at our offseason workout and just standing there and, and watching what our guys do and – seeing the way our guys compete and, and then being able to pull a guy aside and just talk to a, a young man and what, what value in that. But, but really his main role is to advise us in everything in the program. You know, he's, he's got an encyclopedia of knowledge, not just in terms of the X's and O's in football, but in team building. If you ever listen to Ed Reed speak, and, and Joe, I know you've had the great fortune to so many times, um, you know, he spoke to our team at um, our alumni weekend last spring and Ed must have mentioned 20 guys by name on his team that I would say your above-average Miami Hurricane fan wouldn't remember any of those names because all those guys were so important to him. And that is my point. Now, here's a guy who has every reason anytime someone puts a microphone in his face to just talk about himself. I did this. I did that. This is about me, so on and so forth. And all he wanted to talk about was his teammates. All he wanted to talk about was his teammates. And, and he is a guy that understands success comes from – team you know was that a great player of course he was you play with you know Ray Lewis in Baltimore of course but but it was the team and it was everybody doing everything for everyone um, is how you win so guys like what so it stands out to me and this is I'm just riffing on one thing and we, we could talk about a hundred things with Ed um, but guys like Ed have a great eye for those that are like-minded to him and also those that aren't and sometimes you can see the ones that maybe are breaching that team concept. And if you have any type of selfishness, you have to understand now in the locker room, you have 85 guys on scholarship. You have over a hundred players on your team. Um, you know, you have 10 on the field coaches plus head coach. We're outnumbered severely. We don't have nearly enough eyes. And when you're coaching, a lot of times you're watching, you're so wrapped up in the technique. You're so wrapped up in the fundamentals. You're so wrapped up in the scheme day to day. 
to have that on the field, Ed's, and this is just one thing, but his ability to be, he may pick up on things that we would never see as a coach. Because not to say he's not watching the X and O's and the technique and the scheme, but he's also got a chance. He may notice a nonverbal between two players. That could be a small thing that could grow into a big thing. He may notice a nonverbal between two coaches or between a coach and a player. Maybe just one player is having a bad day, and he can follow him to the locker room and say, hey, sit down, talk to me what's going on. But anything like that that can break the team dynamic, break down the, the, the fabric of the trust of a football team, um, that is one way. It, I mean, and of all the ways he can help us, that's just one way that I think his impact will be immeasurable. He was a player that could transcend the X's and O's, which is a compliment. One one play would be called, but he could see a play, and you know he would jump the route or whatever and make a tremendous play. But do you look forward to whatever that occasion might be, just to talk hardcore X's and O's with him? Uh, that would be a heck of a conversation. Well, we'll get to have him in our meeting rooms. You know, that's that's not something he's allowed to pass down to our players, but. But certainly through us and, and, and talking to us about what he sees in terms of what we're coaching and how we're coaching it. Um, and, again, guys like Ed, who, who the game came so easily to, you know, I mean, and they can provide such insight. So there's immense value in that. There's, there's no doubt. Um, but, again, it's about people more than anything and, and, just, and just him and making sure that, that he sees that the glue that connects us all. You know, one of the big things, our big themes this spring is be, be a much more connected football team than we were um, a year ago, especially towards the end, I think will be a big benefit to us. And Ed, that's 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 like he's like a PhD in in, in team dynamics. Um, we talked a lot about offense. We haven't talked too much about defense. You did add defensive players in recruiting. Uh, is there anything defensively that you want to add or take out, or a trend that you see that you really like on defense? Well, there will be some things schematically that, of course, that we'll study where that you're seeing more in college football, but. Um, the very first thing we did is we sat down with the defense staff this week is, is we are digging deep into some of our failures on our third down defense a year ago. It's the only thing that stands. I mean, everything, run defense, yard for pass attempts, you know, scoring defense, all of our disruptive numbers, sacks, TFLs, red zone, all of that is where we want it. It's all top 15, some top 12, some top 10. Um, third down, again, is, is, is an outlier somewhere in the, in the middle of the country, somewhere where it shouldn't be. And it's not just third down overall percentage. It's, it's third and longs um, that we surrendered. So um, so we're, 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 we're looking into it, and you look at what all the answers are. As, as always, as you know, it's never just one thing. Um, but, you, you know, you can see some occurring themes, you know, some, some players that didn't maybe prep. Why didn't they play in this position as well as we thought they would? Um, was it something – was it their disconnect in the coaching – um, what could we have called differently? What could we have done differently? But, uh, but again, that will be a major point of emphasis for us the entire offseason. That's interesting because, you know, third down is probably both sides of the ball the biggest – I think it's one of the biggest metrics in football. You win third down, you win. The other night in the Super Bowl, uh, Chiefs are losing third down, one for seven, except they made their last four third downs, so they win the game. I think they made their last four. But they win the game because they win third down in, in, in the fourth quarter. I think the metric is offensively it's two to one in terms of your percentage, offensive defense, you, you're probably going to win the majority of your games. But that's a hard thing to get to. Well, and, and it was a third and long. It was a third and 15 when, they, when, when um, the Niners cut a guy loose, you know, deep in the secondary, which really transformed the game. Um, everybody wants to talk about the the Niners' subsequent drive on offense, but really, at that point, it's a three point game. It's 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 a one position game with with more than enough time. So, um, but yeah, no, to your point, it's exactly right. And 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 to lead the nation in third down defense as we did the year before, 
um, and to have it drop so sharply, um, that's what you're looking for. Because again, you know, schematically, um, you know what you're doing, you know what you're doing is sound, you know, why, why, why do we see some mistakes? Why do we see, you know, we're not rushing the passers good. We can rush the passer. We still, our sack numbers were, were immense. Why are they not, why are we not as good on third down? Why, why were we not playing, you know, our, why was our man coverage technique not as good in these situations? So you, you analyze, explore all that. And some of that comes with, with also competition. You know, that's why we are, we are excited about some of these recruits. We, some of these young defensive backs have a chance to feature for us, you know, and getting a guy like Quincy Roche, you know, and, and, and providing some more of that um, disruptive forces up front, I think will be big. It's got to be a, an issue for Coach Lashley on offense too, right? Because third down offense did struggle. Well, it was it was completely unacceptable, obviously, um, and it never got better. But you can't you know you can't finish last in the country in anything at the University of Miami. That certainly would never be allowed. Um, and part of that was because our third downs were our our yards to go were were in some of the worst in the country. You know, so it's just a, it's a it's a recipe. What, what does that go back to? We couldn't run the football. You know, if you can't run the football. Um, you have to throw it, and if you have to throw it, the odds are you're going to have some incompletes. If you have some incompletes, you're going to get in some long yard situations. I mean, it's 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 not, you know, it's not rocket science. So, um, a lot of what we'll you know what we'll do. Obviously, we have to be a much better football team running the ball this year than we were a year ago. The schedule came out since uh, all these other changes as well. Uh, what did you think about how the schedule laid out for you? We got a bunch of games, but we got about twelve of them, and. Um, you know, I mean, we, we come as they may, you know I mean? I mean, to me, I'll say this, it's a much better schedule than we had a year ago in terms of some of the spacing of, of the games. I think it get, gives a chance to get in better rhythm. I think we're six, a buy-in than six, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, it, it, you know, three at, three at home to get things rolling, I think build some positive momentum and get people excited to go watch Derek King play and, um, you know, and see the difference in the offense, the style of offense, I think will be a really exciting start to, to build some momentum early in the season. I know we've got a chance for some cold weather games going to Blacksburg and Atlanta um, in November. We do finish at home in Thanksgiving, like as we have in every other, other every other year the last few years. Um, you know, obviously the Seminoles coming to town, which will always be a really big deal. I think that's early November. So, um, you know, look, it's our league. We, we, we play who we have to play. Um, this is always a better division than people give it credit for. Um, the defenses in this division are, are better than people give it credit for. And, um, and what we know is that, is that, our, we, we make mistakes as hurricanes, and I'm talking about inside this building, um, if we ever let our arrogance get the best of us. You know what I mean? And I think it's very easy to look at a schedule and say, well, you know, win, win, win. That, that simply is – we're not at that point that to ever say anything is a win. It is hard to win a college football game. Um, there is a process that goes about what it takes to, to win a football game, and, and that process restarts and resets every week. And I think our players will – have a full understanding of that and the respect of every opponent that we have on that schedule. Um, and they just all deserve our full attention. Finally, uh, what is spring football going to look like for you? Going to start it uh, at the end of this month? Yeah, we'll go. Um, we are doing something a little different this year. We're going to go four times before spring break. So we will practice on February 29th. That's a Saturday. And then we'll go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that first week in March. Um, we will take a week off of spring break, which so if we – have a guy that maybe tweaks something that he, you know, doesn't miss, you know, two weeks or whatever, so he can get a chance to get back in. Um, then, then we'll actually go about five more practices, get us to nine. That'll be our first, which nine is normally the first scrimmage. And then we'll take off about another five days or so um, for that same point. So maybe we can get a guy back that just, you know, maybe has something really minor. Um, 
and then we'll finish. Obviously, there's going to be a very different deal, you know, practicing the, the not, this is not just a scheme change. This is a lifestyle change, you know, going fast. That affects everybody on the football team. Um, it'll affect the defense and getting lined up. I think it'll be great for us. I think it'll help us. Um, but, um, but it, that it'll, it'll be, it'll take everyone out of their comfort zone, which is what I love about it. You know what I mean? I think it's just what we need and, and, uh, and it'll be exciting. But I know this, the guys we have are, are really excited to, uh, to see it go. I'll tell you one thing, you get that offense revved up to 90 plays a game, that'll be a heck of a thing at Hard Rock Stadium in September. Well, there's going to be – yeah. I mean, all you have to do is look at some of the numbers from SMU a year ago. If you look at some of the players receiving numbers, and you can daydream about some of our guys, you know. But that's all it is right now. All it is right now is a daydream. You know, we, we've got to put in the work as coaches, first and foremost, to make sure that everything's ready to install for our guys. And, and then our guys got to put in the work of, of not – not only just learning it from themselves and and understanding themselves, but like, you know what to do, how to do it, um, but how to do it for the guy next to you. You know, what I mean, and, that, and that's that connective piece. And 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 when, when we have that, everyone wins. You know, when everyone tries to do it their own way, um, you know, selfishness. No one gets far alone. You know, and and I think that's I think our guys really understand that. And I think we have a great group of leaders. I think our, the leadership on this team is much better already. You can just see in the offseason than what it was on our team a year ago. We got a really good group of guys that I think are ready to uh, to take this thing forward. All right, coach. Thank you very much and uh, congratulations. All right, that's Hurricanes head coach Manny Diaz. Don't forget, spring football begins at the end of this month, February the 29th. The Hurricanes will be back on the football field. Coming up this week for the University of Miami basketball on the road. Blacksburg, Virginia against Virginia Tech on Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. Hurricanes baseball later today against Rutgers. Then a week uh, next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the Gators come to town for a weekend series. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. A week from today, the Hurricanes basketball team will be in South Bend, Indiana to take on Notre Dame. And tomorrow night, we'll have the Hurricane Hotline for you. We return with the Hurricane Hotline following hockey tomorrow night. Hurricane Hotline returns. Thanks for joining us here on Hurricanes Weekly. Have a great day, everybody. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.